Hi guys, well this is um, an impromptu video. It's Friday night, 25 past nine. Well known as being feet up, chill out, watch Glastonbury, the gateway to the weekend. Here we are and I can't rest. I have something on my heart. I feel it's important to share it and I'm gonna do that now. Occasionally, Occasionally, it's unhelpful to share before you've prepared, and other times it's unhelpful to delay, and sometimes it's unhelpful to try and prepare when you need to be spontaneous, you need to be obedient, and um, so I'm going to share with you, um, there's a guy called Steve Clifford, some of you will have heard of Steve, I don't know him personally, he's the former leader of the Evangelical Alliance. And some of you will have also heard of a guy called Steve Chalk. Steve Chalk is leader of a organization called Oasis. I think it's something like the Christian Oasis Trust. And Steve Clifford is, as far as I know, still friends with Steve Chalk. But a number of years ago, Steve Clifford, former leader of the EA, had to write a, a letter, a public open letter, in which he began by saying, first of all, that he and Steve Chalk were friends. Um, as far as I know, they're still friends. And yet, despite being friends with Steve Chalk, he needed to uh, publicly disagree with Steve Chalk on the issue of homosexuality, marriage redefine, that kind of thing. And that some things are more important than friendship. Some things are more important than saving face the honour of the Father, glory of God, the truth of the gospel. And this is what Steve Clifford said in this open letter, basically, that where Steve Chalk's whole gospel major, majored then and majors now on this notion of inclus inclusivity, inclusion, for Steve Clifford despite being friends with Steve Chalk, had to say, well, hold on a minute. I love you, you're my friend. But what you're saying isn't, isn't just not true, but it's not radical enough. The gospel is way more radical than being merely inclusive. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't merely inclusive. It is transformative. It's transformational. Come to Jesus, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When Christ bids a man, he bids him to come and die. He doesn't say when Christ, when Christ bids a man, he doesn't, he doesn't bid him to come and be included. He, he, he bids him to come and die. 
Steve Clifford to Steve Chalk, listen, mate, I love you, but you're wrong and you're teaching error. You're leading people astray. The gospel isn't about inclusion. It's about transformation. At every conceivable level of life, when you come to Jesus Christ as Lord, you die. John 12, 32, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains but a seed. This is difficult for me tonight. I normally don't get nervous. <laughs> I normally don't feel nervous, but I am nervous because I understand fully what will come back to me for this video tonight. In the, I want to reach out to a friend of mine in the same way that Steve Clifford did to Steve Chalk maybe 10 years ago. A friend of mine called Dave Niblock who he and I have not actually spoken in about 10 years, not because we've fallen out, we've just, our lives have gone like that. I used to be part of a big church in the north of England uh, called Life Church, formerly Abundant Life Church. And um, as I say, there's no falling out with Dave. Dave, if you do happen to watch this, I love you, mate. I miss you. I remember a lot of uh, fine times with you um, around a snooker table, playing football. There's nothing like getting those mouldies on and the, and the socks up. Um, lots of good memories. And perhaps I, perhaps I should have reached out to you personally. And just being honest, I didn't because I didn't expect the kind of response that I would hope for. And so uh, forgive me if this is offensive in any way. Forgive me if this is upsetting. But in the same spirit with which Steve Clifford reached out to Steve Chalk in an open public way, that's my heart in doing this tonight, which is to put my finger on the same thing, the same issue, which is to say that the gospel of Jesus isn't about inclusivity. It's not about inclusion. And therefore, neither should the local church culture be primarily about inclusion. It should be primarily about transformation. Um, I heard something this week from, from Dave, from you, Dave, um, in your teaching that disturbed me. And this video now is really just an obedience to the prompting of the spirit in, in my heart. I want to, I want to just share um, so let me just share this if I can pull it up on my phone quickly. Here we are. Look, so this is the, the news today, the BBC app, um, about the events in the US today regarding abortion and the the Roe versus Wade case and the apparent news, and it is good news, it is good news what's happened today in the um in the case that's that's reversed the abortion law in some states and and so on and so forth. You can see here jubilation for the pro life camp, of course, of which we are a part. Now this isn't the new this isn't the new heavens or the new earth this isn't the return of Christ this isn't the this isn't the millennium 
And depending on what your eschatology is, if you're a post-millennial, you might interpret this very differently to a pre-millennial, certainly a, a historical pre-millennial. Um, if you're a post-millennial, you think things are just going to be getting better and better and better. You might interpret this very differently to how I would interpret this or how pre-millennials would interpret it, which is that this is just a precursor to things getting much darker, much more difficult if you're going to be faithful to Jesus. I believe this is a paving of the way for what I want to talk about now just in a few minutes and then I'm going to finish discharge the duty of what's on me tonight in terms of burden and then commit it to the Lord in prayer and to your consciences before him. Which is to say this, I think this is paving the way for what I believe the Bible teaches, particularly in 2 Thessalonians, about not only a spirit of delusion, but also of rising lawlessness. Rising lawlessness, I believe, is hand in hand with the increased increasing, despising on the Christian, on those who would be faithful to the testimony, to witness to who Jesus is, who he was, who he is, who, we, who he will be when he returns. Um, let me show you some scripture uh, that will hopefully make more sense of this. I was, I was reading this today. This is Isaiah 53. Lord, I pray just as I read this now and as I try and discharge this, that you would minister by the power of your spirit to those who have ears to hear. I pray in the precious, holy, matchless name of Jesus. Father, be glorified. Amen. This is Isaiah writing. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is Isaiah writing prophetically about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. For he, that's Jesus, the Messiah, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Jesus had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. The footnote is there. It could also be rendered, and as one who hides his face from others. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, 
smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Verse 2 again. For he grew up, Jesus grew up before the Father like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Can you imagine? Listen to this so carefully, please. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is the same one that Paul writes about in Colossians 1 here. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We let go of Christ, everything disintegrates. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And yet he was despised and rejected. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Let me ask you this. When I listen to my friend, Dave Niblock, launching in excitement and passion and vision, and let me say hope, from the heart of reaching a nation, reaching a city with Jesus, what makes us, what makes you think if Jesus, the one in whom the fullness of God is seen displayed, was despised and rejected by men as one from whom men hid their faces, what makes us think that God gives a rip about our inclusion. 
Steve Clifford to Steve Chalk, Nick Franks to Dave Niblock. Let me say, the gospel and your, and your congregants need to know that when Christ bids a man, he bids him to come and die. He doesn't bid him to be included. He doesn't, he doesn't bid him for ethnic variety. He doesn't bid him to have black friends or white friends or Hispanic friends or homosexual friends or transgender friends. When Christ bids a man, he bids him to come and die. Steve Clifford is Steve Chalk. Listen, Steve, I love you, but the gospel isn't about inclusion. The gospel is about transformation. It's about death and it's about resurrection life. If someone is glorious as Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the one who was slain and yet who stands again at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for the saints, if if someone is lovely as Jesus, as Yeshua, can be despised, why are we basing our discipleship on inclusion? Why are we basing, basing our churches on inclusion? Why are our churches echoing the wokerati of society, traipsing through society, British society and culture? Why are we not distinct and different? I want to say in the gentlest way I can, when I see this in the news today, when I see how much Satan loves abortion, when Satan, when I see Satan, how much he loves transgenderism. When I recall Carl Lentz, who is a uh, former pastor at Hillsong, who had an affair, uh, fell from grace, fell from a position of senior leadership in a church in New York, on primetime TV being asked a very simple question. Carl, Do you believe that abortion is a sin? Fumble around with some kind of psychobabble, and that's what it is. That's what it was. That's what it is today. When you can't answer that question publicly as a, as a leader in the church, is abortion a sin? Is homosexuality a sin? Is transgenderism a sin? The answer is simply yes. That's the answer. Trying to pander, placate the crowds in the hope of including as many people as possible. And I've been in the system, guys. I've been in the system, so I know what the thinking is. The thinking is people's problem is with the church. So let's be as seeker sensitive and friendly and, and welcoming and inclusive as possible in the hope that they stay the course to, to maybe hear something of the gospel, to maybe make a decision for Christ, maybe put a hand up in a meeting, maybe fill in a card and come forward in a, in a weepy emotional moment of worship. Regardless of whether or not they've understood the gospel, the rudiments of 
what it means to be saved, what it means to be born again, what it means to be transformed, what it means to be submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord and not only Savior, as Lord and Savior. A despising, the same despising that was on Jesus Christ is going to be upon you and me if you are, if we are to be faithful to the witness of Jesus Christ, the coming King today, the same despising. Church leader, Dave Niblock, I love you, mate. You might think this is ridiculous, <laughs> but let me tell you, your people and you won't stand against what's coming to those who take the name of Jesus. The despising that we see in Isaiah 53 there in verse two twice is coming upon those whose hearts are set towards Jerusalem. It says of Jesus when he approached Jerusalem, he set his face like flint, knowing what he was walking into, knowing what was about to happen. And let me say this as lovingly as I can. Dave, Abs, the guys who lead that church, anyone that you're related to relationally in Norwich, John, I don't know you, mate. Unless your people understand that despising is coming for those who are going to be faithful to Jesus, unless your people understand that on day one, they won't stand. The love in Matthew 24, the love not just of a few, not just even of even the many, the love of most will grow cold. You might think that day is a million years away. You might think that day isn't going to be in your lifetime or in your children's lifetime or even in your children's children's lifetime. Let me tell you, it's coming. It may be in our days. The point is irrelevant, whether it's in our days or in our children's days. The point is upstream, we have to prepare our people to stand against despising. If you major on inclusion, it's not going to wash. It's not going to cut it. We have to teach our people from day one. Drill it into them like Paul did the Thessalonians. Christ the King is coming. Maranatha. Steve Clifford to Steve Chalk. Nick Franks to Dave Niblock. The gospel is not about inclusion. Church culture is not primarily about welcoming people of all types. It's actually only really about welcoming people of one type, and that's people who die and who are transformed, who die and who are resurrected. So, Lord, I pray now in the precious name of Jesus on behalf of the body, your bride who will be spotless. Jesus, when I think of your suffering, when I think of your passion, when I think of you pictured as a seed falling into the ground to die, when I think of the ignominy, when I think of the dishonor, the rejection, the sorrow, the grief, the suffering, when I think of your lashed back, when I think of your disfigured face, your humanity marred beyond human likeness, when I think of your anguish. 
What can we say tonight other than thank you? The privilege and joy it is to be called by name to follow you, to worship you, to dare to take the name Christ. That you would die and suffer that kind of sinner's death, the cursed tree, in order that we might go free, in order that we might be healed, in order that we might be despised. Father, I pray for churches up and down again in this nation. Pray particularly for those churches who have hook, line and sinker bought the lie sown decades ago in this nation. The lie of inclusion to the expense of the radical root of transformation. Lord, I pray that you would disrupt like a hand grenade in the midst of your people, of congregations who have committed to a path of folly, who cannot see the wood for the trees, who need a voice that is so joltingly different to the voices that they have in their life and that they welcome. Lord, I pray that you would disrupt, arrest, again in sleep and in dreams, but Lord, bring by your spirit, by your word, bring the disruption and the arresting. Oh God, that brings radical change, radical scales removing, even from your people, even from your leaders, Lord, that they would see, that they would come to suddenly realize what it means to grow people, to lead people in faithfulness to the cross with a vision of the coming King beyond. Lord, that you would suffer despising, that you would suffer that disgrace despite your beauty, despite your glory, despite your worth, your majesty, your gentleness, your lowliness, that you would suffer that. Lord, let your redeeming, redeemed people honour you with an understanding of what it means truly to take the name Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, stop the nonsense. Lord, I pray for the people who are new to faith. I pray for those who have disquiets within them, who recognize the inadequacy of the mainstream narrative. Lord, that they, would, that they wouldn't resist your prompting, that they would surrender and submit. Lord, and I pray for testimony in this church in Leeds and in churches like it. For testimonies in days, weeks and months to come in this year of this kind of disruption. We say no. We say no to the half gospel, which is no gospel at all. We say no. And Lord, I pray that you would enable your people, enable your leaders to stand, recognizing that which we will stand against. And that today, today we are afforded the luxury of preparation for that which is coming. Lord, I pray against child's play. I pray that you would cause spiritual violence 
to result in these churches and in every church, we pray. Remove leaders who have no interest in bowing the knee, who have no interest in listening, who have no interest in being disrupted, whatever the cost for that may be. Lord, I pray against the filth that is in your body. I pray in the precious name of Jesus, Lord, do something wonderful. God of grace, I turn my face to you I cannot hide. My nakedness, my shame, my guilt are all before your eyes and your grace covers me in righteousness and your grace clothes me in love. Your life adorns and beautifies. I stand in awe of you. I pray that would be true of this church in Leeds and I pray it'd be true of every faithful church in the nation, in the precious, holy, matchless name of Jesus. I pray for the glory of you, Father. Amen.